The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to the final Women's Football Podcast of the regular season. Don't worry, we will be having more pods throughout the summer. I'll tell you about that later on. I'm Luke Edwards and we are here in partnership with Her Game 2. And joining us for this podcast, it is a regular, she's been regular throughout the season. It is Inyesh Shampao. Hello, Inyesh. Hello. Nice little wave there as well on camera for everyone. Uh, <laughs> we're going to dive straight into it, Inyesh, and, and the Champions League final. I mean, what what a way to, to finish the season, an absolute showpiece event. And it was looking like deja vu a little bit for Barcelona. They were stunned by Leon early on in the Champions League final last season, and it, and it happened again. Eva Peo pickpocketing Lucy Bronze and firing home after just three minutes. And that's... That was nine goals for PR in just 11 Champions League matches, which makes her the competition's top scorer. The Wolves then extended their lead in the 37th minute as PR this time turned provider for Alex Pop. She headed in PR's cross. Barca, Barca responded straight after the break, though, just three minutes into the second half. Patricia Guerrero got them back to within one goal, and then by five minutes into the second half, she had them level. And it was end, end-to-end stuff second half. Wolfsburg had a couple of chances just before Barcelona got the winner. It was a mix-up at the back for the Germans, which allowed Fridolina Rolfo to fire home and complete the comeback. As I was saying, yes, it was looking like deja vu for Barca at one point, but credit to Jonathan Heraldes for, for masterminding that turnaround. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Barcelona pretty much went there in the first half. It was a very tough uh, first half for them. Uh, Wolfsburg the game mostly uh they were able to carry off most of Barcelona's attacks and Barcelona really I think it was very much uh their own fault that uh they were in that position because they were very off in terms of uh you know decision making and execution in the in the final third of the pitch and then uh in the second half they it was a totally different team they were much more you know um decisive and much more clear-headed, I think, despite the uh, two-goal difference. And I think they, they, they managed to control the midfield finally to truly, because up until that point, I think Lina Obadosh managed to control, uh, especially especially her, of course, uh, managed to control, uh, you know, of Barcelona's attacking prowess and they're especially, like, they're amazing midfielders. Um, but from the second half on, it was um, it was pretty much Barcelona's game, and key players like Aitana, Patri, of course, uh, Mariona, really, and Kira Walsh, um, they really found their footing in the game, and I think that was what was key. And Caroline Gray and Hansen finally managed to find you know those pockets of space to make a difference. She, she's a she's a unique player. There's only like two or three in the world like her. Um, so it was very much, I think it was a, um, a matter of Barcelona finding themselves in the second half, not so much as Wolfsburg allowing them, you know, to, to, to get control of the game back. Because in the first half, it was also Barcelona playing not well at all. That, you know, led to Wolfsburg getting that lead, not like not a, a detriment to Wolfsburg, of course, because they have really, really good players. They're a top team as much as Barcelona are, but you can really feel that it was a 
start for start for Barcelona. For Wolfsburg, it's been a, a bad couple of weeks. They missed out on a Bundesliga title after a poor end to the season and now losing the final after being 2-0 up. Uh, is the fear that they could now have their players poached a little bit and, and this we could be seeing the end of an era for Wolfsburg? Well, I think they have they have everything to start an era because, you know, you have players like uh, Jule Brand, who didn't play astoundingly. I mean, I think she's one of the best players in the world. Uh, you have Jim Zotir, you have Payor, you have Joel Ward. They're all very young. And and Fromm's also young. So, like, they have everything to, to, to like, kickstart an era, but they have to start doing things better. And think um, this could actually be, you know, these past two weeks that have been so complicated for them could maybe be an alarm, like, you know, uh, a wake-up call and lead them to you know, making better decisions structure-wise, uh, you know, and direction-wise. Um, of course, it could also lead to some poaching. That is true. Gerward especially seems uh, like, you know, she wouldn't be uh, averse to, to an exit. Um, not reading the player's mind, of course. Um, but I think she'd be the most likely, I think, wouldn't she? You know, if there was somebody, yeah. say, a WSL team coming calling, she'd probably be the most uh, on top of most shopping lists, wouldn't she? Yeah, uh, and maybe Barcelona because she's a, she's a, like she's admitted to being a Barcelona fan, so I think she'd be very quick to accept that uh, invitation. But you know, at the same time, if they, I think if they tell the players that they have the right project uh, with the right people, I think they could also be, you know, uh, inclined to, to stay and really start a new era for Volkswagen because they have the, the young talent to, young talent to so and they have really good scouting as well. So um, I think it's very much a matter of, you know, presenting the players with a good project, a good project and the right people to lead that project. And both Alex Pop and Lucy Bronze were chasing a record fourth title, and it's now Bronze who holds that record. So, do you think when we look back in twenty years' time, she'll go down as one of the greats? I think she will be definitely one of the greats in her position, because um, uh, I think a lot of, a lot will change, a lot will happen in twenty years with this football because it's growing so fast, it's evolving so fast, and especially with, in terms of uh, fandom. In terms of how many people pay attention to it, like the grandeur of it all. So, but that Lucy Bronze is definitely she's already one of one of the greats of like nowadays, and I think she will go down as one of the greats in her position. Um, as for like one of the greats, like overall, that's a little bit tougher to say. But she is a record holder, and she has done. Um, amazing things and we'll see what happens at the World Cup as well because it went have a fair shot for the title. Um but yeah Lucy Bronze is absolutely um you know one of the greats already like especially like in her position as a right back because there aren't that many uh like historical right backs. It's her, it's uh, Ashley Lawrence for example. We also have Kelly O'Hara um have a few others but you know, in her position, she's been, uh, she's been, you know, a, a record setter and a history maker, definitely. And she'll be in the England World Cup squad that is 
flying down under in the next month or so. It was announced this week at Baldmere St. Michael's Football Club. It was all very nice. There was a lot of communities down there. Serena Vigman gave a bit of a coaching session, then did a Q&A with the kids, and then, of course, a Q&A with the media to announce the squad. Um, the squad, as you might expect, is kind of... It was almost to be kind of expected with most of the names in there. Esme Morgan's made it in, of course. This should be really pleased with that because she joined us on our Euros podcast last year. She was out injured. She was saying she was hoping to get back. She's managed to get back into Manchester City side and now into the Lionesses side. Also, the likes of Jordan Nobbs and Beth England have also made it in, as have, has as has Katie Robinson. There's no place for the likes of, of Maya Letizia or Beth Mead. Beth Mead's not quite ready, they don't think, to uh, get her place back in the England squad and Millie Bright is captain so out, out of those ending yes is there was there any sort of surprises for you I would have liked to see Maya Leticia make uh make a call uh I would have liked to see her be in uh but otherwise I think it's a really it's a really good squad with the uh restraints that we know about like Beth Mead and Leah Williams of course because they would be uh you know they they would be there if they were fit. Um, I think it was a really good call not to include Bethany because the truth is she's not uh, at full fitness at all. And I think it would also be fair to, to those players that have played uh, for all this stretch of time and then, you know, lose their, lose their places to, to someone who hasn't played at all. I, I think I liked Esme Morgan in there. Would have liked to see, again, uh, Maya Leticia, but other than that, I think it's a really, really good squad. They have su- such uh, good players, such talented players. So, yeah, I mean, it was about what was expected. Uh, Portugal as well, they've announced their squad for the World Cup, haven't they, this week? Yes, and, uh, you know, it's exactly what I was expecting. There was only, like, one doubt whether uh, this Schmidt, uh, the national team management, would include Vanessa Max or Ana Hutu, both from Braga. And he chose Anahutu because who, like, she, uh, you know, won her place at Braga. Um, you know, that was Vanessa Marcus's place, so it makes sense that they would place one or the other. But Francisco Neto always calls up, like, the same 22, 23 players. It's been the same for, like, two, three, four years. No surprises at all. Uh, the only time he uh, calls up, anyone knew it's like when he gets to make 25 player spots but this was a 23 player spot obviously because that's what's allowed for the for the world cup so it was every single name i literally um, i literally like made a list of the players that would be called up and my only uh mistake was putting vanessa marks in instead of Anaput. and that was it because it was fully expected he has those 22, 23 players that he trusts completely. And it makes sense because this is a squad to, like, for, for continuity. This is a squad for, for uh, you know, for, for the players that you trust already, that you know will deliver, not for, like, sudden surprises surprises and, uh, and experiments. So, yeah, it makes like, total sense. It was uh, predictable, but uh, logical. So it was. it's a, it's a good squad. Yeah, and I suppose, I suppose that's it as well. But like you say, more for the, the continuity side and, and looking to build on their encouraging performances in the Euros by not really 
making too many changes. Exactly, exactly. I think, uh, you know, when you're going to a big competition, first of all, you have to, like, sort of, well, you have to, in my opinion, of course. Uh, I'm not here to dictate any manager's choices, but uh, I think it makes sense to reward the players that you, you know, walk the walk with uh, up until this point, and also choose the players that you know will deliver. And, of course, there can be some surprises. Suddenly, uh, player X or player Y uh, starts like make big impact, and you absolutely have to call them up because you know it would be uh, nonsensical not to. But that isn't the case with Portugal because all the players that are on the squad, like minus one or two, uh, have been playing uh, regularly. There's one that hasn't been playing regularly, but it's one of the leaders in the locker room, so it makes sense to call her up. So it's like. Yeah, the, the people you trust, I think it makes sense when you're going to a big competition after like two years of trying to uh, conquer your place there. Uh, and I think the same applies for England and any other country that's going to a World Cup. As the World Cup does approaching, yes, there is a, um, there's a lot of talk about TV rights at the minute as well. I know sort of in the UK, I think they're close to agreeing a deal, but there's countries like France, Italy, Spain where it's not been agreed. What's it like in Portugal? Portugal, we have the, uh, the public uh tv station um they're going to do all the uh, portugal games as they usually do and then as for the other games i know like uh last time uh they they played all the games online on their on, on the state TV, uh, online platform i don't know the specifics of what they're going to do uh this year but I do know that every Portuguese or every Portugal national team game will be on the uh, on the state TV. Um, but it's really a pity that it's being so complicated to mm. you know, to negotiate um, the TV rights. And I was looking at the numbers, and apparently, like, countries like Germany, France, that should really be you know more um, keen to to make those contracts, giving. 3% or less than 3% of what mm. they give for the, uh, for the events to the World Cup. So it's a bit disheartening, especially because women's football is growing so much. It's getting bigger audiences, both on TV and in person. So I don't know. I, I think I was hoping to see more of an effort on, you know, on the country's parts to, to secure nice deals and to bring the world up to everyone we'll see what happens so it's uh it's a work in progress and i think we get to, i hope we get to the finish line yeah looking sort of domestically now as well we mentioned about uh the England squad. Lauren James is in that England squad. She signed a new contract at Chelsea until 2027. She said she feels very comfortable there. And also, Arsenal have managed to tie down Frieda Marnham to a, a new contract as well. Uh, Lauren James is obviously going to be sort of a no-brainer in a way, but good move by Arsenal to get Frieda Marnham tied down because she really stepped up, didn't she, after the injury to Beth Mead? And Vivian Miedema, of course. I think she's been one of the best players in the world this season. Uh, so, so as, um, so has, sorry, so has Lauren James. Uh, they've been absolutely key to to their teams, and I think it's for both of them. I think it's a it's a no brainer. Of course, when you're like Arsenal, 
Arsenal have a bit of a history of letting players go sometimes, like Jill Ward, for example, um, and was also really important to, to grab onto the uh, Avalt. That was also, that one is also a very important player for them. So I think it shows that Arsenal are taking the right steps towards, uh, you know, uh, forming more competitive sides and uh, really vying for the trophies that because uh, in recent years there has been this like, looming doubt over them because they haven't been able to really fight for the trophies up until the very end. We have like the WSL this year, um, even though they they uh, they won the uh, FA Cup, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I mean, I think. Because the most important thing right now are is the WSL, in my opinion, because that's where Arsenal have to really make a statement, um, even more so than in the Champions League. So holding on to players like Manon, uh, Leah Valti, and um, well, Rafael left, which is that is going to be a big loss for them because uh, even though she was relatively unknown into, uh, up until you know she came to Arsenal. Now she's absolutely key for them. Um, and so that's going to be a very tough spot to, to fill up. But yeah, it shows that Arsenal are trying, you know, uh, structure-wise, team-wise, everything. They're really saying, no, 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 this, we're going to make, uh, we're going to like make this solid investment in our women's team. And I think that's really just, and Manam has so much room to grow still. Uh, and I'm sorry, Miedema, but I think Arsenal's number 10 is Fila, Leon Hudson-Mannon. It's really great that they managed to to renew a contract. Over in America then, on the NWSL, you're the, the perfect person in, yes, because I know you follow that as well. Uh, currently, after 10 games, it is Portland Thorns at the top and there, ahead of Gotham in the second place. Exactly. Um, Gotham have been, uh, well, I wouldn't say overperforming, Overperformers because I think they underperformed last year. Uh, but when you have players like Samuels and Lynn Williams, uh, Ali Krieger, Bruninha, um, you know, it's it, you're bound to, to make an impact in the league. Uh, and it showed in the last game against Washington Spirit, for example. Um, I think uh, as for like important ports, it's it's fully expected. Uh, in my opinion, because uh, they have such, such a strong squad. I mean, they have the best player in the league, for example, uh, in Sophia Smith. Uh, and then you have Crystal Dunn and Bella Bixby and that amount of talent. And they have a, a good coach as well, of course. But when you have those players, everything is a little bit easier, um, you know, to to do. Like, I was just looking at the, uh, at the Portland Thorns squad and, like, Olivia Moultrie, who is such a young player, but is also making an impact. Have Kligenberg. I mean, it's they are the strongest team in the, in the NWSL, in my opinion, at at the moment. And I, I think I, I was expecting uh, Angel City to be a little bit better at, at this point. We'll see what happens when Press is back, for example. Um, San Diego Wave with uh, Casey Stoney always like a mainstay at the top spots which is amazing it's just their second season on the mm. nwsl and as alex morgan of course scoring goals left and right so it's i think it's been uh, a really exciting season so far 
with uh, some surprising results. For example, uh, this last one, Florence uh, won uh, at Oval Rain. It's, there's been some surprising results because Oval Rain are also one of the best seasons. But, and it's always very exciting, I think. For me, the NWSL is the most, uh, I wouldn't say the best, because the best is always, you know, it's, it's such a, a loaded word, but it's the most competitive uh, mm. in the world, where more, the most, like the biggest number of teams is, are like highly competitive. Yeah, well, you look at the table, Portland Downs are two points clear of Gotham. And Gotham are level on points with Washington. So they're on 17. And then just a point behind them is San Diego and O.L. Reign. And then Houston are just a point behind that. So four points separate the top yeah. six, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. And then the Washington Spirit, by the way, they have like my favorite players in the, in the league. Uh, Trinity, Rodman, Ashley Hatch. Rodman is one of the very best players uh, out there right now. And then, by the way, let me just say, like, the US WNT, US uh, national team, they're going to this World Cup with the likes of Mallory Swanson, Trinity Rodman, Sophie Smith, uh, like, Alison Thompson, Trinity Rodman, Mallory Swanson, and, uh, well, maybe not Karina uh, Macario because she's uh, recovering, but the amount, the sheer amount of talent and also by the way like and this is a lesson that england learned from they're all black players so invest in your uh in all of your pool of talent is clear uh, you need to football needs diversity to, to be better women's football needs diversity to be better because the more uh the more players you can choose from the better your teams will be competitive the US WNT has crazy good talent, and uh, I can't just uh, what happens uh, in the league because again, anyone it's one of those leagues where you can where you really feel that anyone anyone, and it's been really exciting to watch. Great. Well, we will be back throughout the summer we have got a special podcast coming up about menopause so stay tuned for that and then we'll be having our world cup podcast out as well uh, Inesh, thanks for joining us thank you so much for inviting me and uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at twfp1 and on instagram we are the women's football podcast have a great few weeks and we'll see you all very soon